0: chapter twenty two of from different standpoints by pansy and fay huntington this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty two the different elements composing the lives that at present are woven into each other met next in new york not indeed in the same house by reason of mrs perry harrison's determination not to be trammelled by the first-class fanatics who congregated there A mixture of motives led her husband to yield to her in this matter first because she desired it and there seemed no special reason to the contrary beyond the look of the thing and secondly because his sensitive spirit began to have a shivering dread of putting his wife in contrast with the earnest lives among whom he should be thrown and realizing the impossibility of assimilating them he had a strong abiding determination to do his duty well and faithfully but he saw no reason why he should make that duty harder than was necessary therefore when the first embarrassment of explanation was gotten over he had strong satisfaction in feeling that the contrasting elements of his life were two miles away from each other and often when he was under the shadow of the one he could be away from the pitying eyes of the other. Their stay in New York was to be short, although it was the season of the year when most people were coming instead of going from the great city. Yet the invalid was so much better that she began to have an eager longing for a sight of the dear old home which had been her abiding-place for forty years, and it was judged best to gratify her already however had mrs perry's newly formed plans for disposing una come to grief having boldly broached the matter herself to her mother-in-law and by reason of that lady's inability to make herself understood having had the argument all her own way she went to her husband with a glowing description of her success but there were those who by patient care could understand the signs and the strangely spoken sounds of the poor twisted lips and a little of the old spirit of the strong self-reliant woman shone out that evening as she made her son comprehend that eunice had promised to stay right beside her as long as she lived glad was perry to hear this but the wife was indignant and attributed it to the poisonous influence of a designing girl meantime that girl was struggling with her newly acquired sense of right and duty and the undisciplined heart that rebelled fiercely against the covert sneers and open insults of her beautiful enemy whenever they came in contact this was often oftener indeed than perry had planned for by reason of her determination to watch over and save her brother his wife was willing and eager to accompany him they were together one evening in the back parlor which was indeed a sort of family sitting-room where none but the special favorites among miss brockton's boarders were invited to enter there were present perry and his wife mr romaine tom haddington and eunice taylor miss brockton had volunteered her services to care for the invalid and give una a breath of rest which arrangement was specially gratifying to una from the fact that mrs harrison continued to exhort a sort of spell over the somewhat fierce nature of aunt ruth from which much was hoped already had the genius of the christian religion begun to influence una's acts having found a wonderful and ever-present friend she began to desire that others might be drawn to him among them aunt ruth for who needed him more than that lonely old woman THE RAIN INTERFERES WITH MANY APPARENTLY VERY NICE PLANS, TOM HADDINGTON WAS SAYING. OUR TIME IS GROWING SO SHORT, IT HARDLY SEEMS AS THOUGH WE COULD SPARE AN EVENING. WHY, TOM, SAID HIS SISTER, DO YOU MEAN TO HAVE THE END OF THE WORLD COME RIGHT AWAY, THAT YOU TALK ABOUT THERE BEING SO LITTLE TIME? I WAS REFERRING TO OUR FRIENDS, TOM SAID COLDLY. HE ALWAYS SPOKE COLDLY TO HIS SISTER NOWADAYS. THEN HE TURNED TO Una i wanted to take you to the ninth street prayer meeting this evening it is a young people's meeting and it is conducted on a somewhat novel plan i fancy it might have answered some of the questions that are troubling you in reference to those boys of yours oh then i wish i might have gone said una eagerly those boys do trouble me i mean i can't plan how to interest them in things that i especially desire to help them with now The tone of familiar friendliness with which she addressed the elegant mr haddington without a touch of reserve in it and apparently without the slightest sense of having been specially honoured by his notice stung his proud sister in a way that none of those present could understand by reason of their having been educated on a different plane from herself she spoke in her most supercilious tone really miss taylor i shouldn't think the boys in that evening school need trouble you as a regularly employed attendant on a sick woman i should think you could have little time to devote to their interests your duties will be likely to keep you very closely employed i was thinking yesterday that mother would need some plain sewing this fall and it will be just the thing to occupy you in the long evenings i shall set about arranging as soon as we reach home If I have really to settle down in the country and be the mistress of the establishment, I may as well plan for the interests of all concerned. So I am quite convinced, Miss Taylor, that since you are to be under my jurisdiction, I can keep you busy without reference to those boys. It was a long sentence, told off rapidly and with distinct design toward one object— the opening of tom haddington's blinded eyes to the fact that he was actually giving a good deal of thought to a girl who occupied the position of servant in her family and was subject to her orders that it showed very little knowledge of her brother's nature is not to be wondered at people who all the time think from such totally different standpoints as that brother and sister occupied can hardly be expected to understand each other as for una she thought of it afterward how strange it was that the strongest feeling in her heart at the moment was pity for perry harrison and truly he was to be pitied what was he to do how shield his wife and at the same time not insult his friend mr romaine turned flashing eyes of inquiry on him and tom haddington's face was working strangely perry gave them little time however for thought his voice was low and clear. "'Una, I beg you will forgive my wife. She is a newcomer among us, comparatively, and cannot understand the relations that have always existed. She does not know that you are the dear and honored friend, not only of my mother, but myself, and that we all understand the position you occupy, to be one which you take out of pity for one who has always loved you, like a mother and who clings to you in a way that cannot be put off. That I thank you for it, in a way that words will not express, I think you know. Then Eunice found her voice again. "'What nonsense!' she said gaily. "'Mrs. Harrison knows I am doing my best to take care of her mother, and that I do it for pay, hard unromantic dollars, and heartily enjoy the creature comforts that can be bought with them.' of course i acknowledge my obligations to her as mistress of the house and am as ready as possible to do anything that i can to help in any way but perry was not through he did not smile did not even glance gratefully toward una truth to tell just then he could not have trusted himself to do so he had more to say his voice was still low but with a sort of ring in it that meant unalterable decision "'Eleanor, you are to understand from this time forth that the position which Miss Taylor occupies in our house is that of a guest of my mother. She is under no control save that of her own unselfish heart. She has at all times to be deferred to and planned for and treated as my mother's guest. Moreover, it is my mother's house, not mine, and I believe that my mother's desire is that you shall not be troubled with the management of affairs.' but that Miss Taylor shall select such helpers as she needs, and arrange the affairs of the house to suit herself. Of course we are at liberty to board elsewhere, if we so desire, and I am not sure but it would be the best arrangement we could make. But that we need not discuss now, only I see it is necessary to make plain to you what I thought you understood, that the home is mine only through the courtesy of my mother.' dear me said mrs perry harrison then eunice's housekeeper is she that is a notch higher in the estimation of some people though i never could understand what difference it made which was her way of admitting to herself that she was foiled una wrote this in her diary the next evening not that same one i can pray for her i can do it with all my heart last night i was burning with anger not so much for her treatment of me because she overreached herself she went so far that it was absurd but because she so disgraced her husband and that too before her brother how could she do it i felt then as if she were so far beneath me as a woman that i could not even pray for her but to-day it is different i have been reading two wonderful verses just two out of the bible it is all my heart had room for this day first is that far-reaching one forbearing one another and forgiving one another even as christ forgave you so also do ye that in itself settles all feelings of wrath and indignation even all feeling of heart burning but i did not realize how strangely wonderful that forgiveness of the lord was till i turned to the reference in isaiah and behold it read i gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair i hid not my face from shame and spitting over that verse i cried great hot burning tears and all the hardness of my wicked heart seemed to weep itself out in those tears after that i could and did pray for eleanor harrison with all my soul and i have a feeling that the cry went up even unto heaven how plainly i see now why i was led as i was why i had to leave my poor little half-work down there in nassau that i mourned over so much and come here i came to find my christ my pardon my peace i came to find how to work and how to live for i will confess to you journal that living was getting to be very wretched business to me now i feel as though it could be born and as though i could do good strong cheerful work in the name of my lord A real, intense life of joy from the human side is evidently not to be mine. Instead, I have peace, and the Lord can use me where he may. Perhaps, after all, peace is higher than joy. Day after tomorrow we are going home. It was the morning before the Harrison party were to start for home, leaving Mrs. Perry behind them, she having changed her plans and determined to make a long visit in the city. This was not in accordance with her husband's wishes, for he distrusted her and shrank from himself, and yet he could find, as yet, no way to controvert it. He neither could nor would stay himself, having resolved that duty to his mother demanded that he should see her as carefully and comfortably arranged as possible." He stood looking from the side window of Miss Brockton's back parlour, gloomily contemplating the rows of brick and stone that shut out earth and sky. Looking at them, but not thinking of them at all, he was, as usual, thinking of his wife. Her last determined plan had been to attend the private hop given by an old acquaintance, and her last defeat had been the utter refusal of her husband to accompany her." He could not see that even duty to his wife led him to countenance all the plans that he knew were in order for the evening. His brother-in-law came into the room, and presently joined him at the window. Both gentlemen remained utterly silent for several minutes. At last, Perry spoke. Tom, have you any influence over Eleanor? Not enough to keep her from dishonoring her family tonight, her brother answered bitterly then you have heard of her plans? Did she tell you? Mother did. Mother thinks that both you and I are wickedly obstinate. She doesn't know how to account for the change in me, and yet she is a Christian, Perry, and so is Eleanor. What makes the difference in people? To this Perry made no sort of answer, unless the perplexed, thinking-a-loud tone in which he said, I don't know what to do, could be called an answer. It is ridiculous, said Tom, warming into vexation. I wonder that Eleanor's sense of propriety doesn't deter her. In our circle, at least, young wives have not been in the habit of attending such places without their husbands. Perry, has it never occurred to you that Una Taylor has a singularly quick brain? Possibly she might have a plan. Perry winced visibly. I can't appeal to Miss Taylor for help he said and then he went abruptly from the window and the room yet help was coming not through miss taylor not at least in any way that she had planned or prayed for but it was decreed that mrs eleanor harrison should not make public the difference of views between her husband and herself by appearing at a private hop that evening she was in her room at the winston place boarding-house indulging in a survey of some of the most bewildering of her toilets deciding for the evening when there came an imperative ring at the door that instantly seemed to her to have somewhat to do with her she opened the door and found herself asked for and in a few moments more was reading the following note let the bearer of this bring you to mother's room as rapidly as possible perry in a very startled and somewhat subdued way she obeyed the summons being quite rapid for her but not so rapid that one did not reach there before her she found the whole house in confusion servants running hither and thither some of them crying her husband locked in tom's room refusing for the moment to see even her una pale and quiet trying to collect her thoughts and give much needed orders and on the bed, in mother's room, a pale, cold form, with a smile of angelic sweetness hovering over her lips, that had already lost their drawn, earth-pained look, and spoke of infinite release. Even Mrs. Perry Harrison saw the impropriety of attending a hop that evening. Yet she was not greatly changed. It takes more than death to change the life-currents of a soul." the very next evening, as the sad company were carrying out their programme of going home with mother, a programme not changed, save that the mother for whose comfort they had so tenderly planned, travelled apart from them in the ice-car. Mrs. Perry Harrison said, speaking in a low tone to her brother, and yet not sufficiently low, that Una did not distinctly hear every word, "'Tom, what is the use in having that tailor-girl in the drawing-room car?' there is plenty of room in the other cars and her occupation is gone now i don't see any need of her being crowded in as one of us if she had wanted to help her brother along in his march toward one consuming desire she could not have planned better he gave her a withering look from under his heavy eyelashes and then instantly deserting her turned to una miss una take this chair it will be better shielded from the smoke when the window is raised perry on the whole i think i will go up with you i may be of service to you in some way then he seated himself in the chair next to una's and wheeled it around so that he could have a full view of her face and a fair chance for conversation i am very glad perry said simply as for mrs perry She was very angry, and turned her back not only on them, but her husband, which he, poor motherless, worse than wifeless, sore-hearted man, cared little for. Indeed, it was, in a sense, a relief. He had had deeper wounds from her than that. There were times when he shuddered over the feeling that if she would but turn her back on him forever, so far away that a watching world, and what was infinitely worse, a watching conscience, would excuse him from ever going to her again, it would be almost heaven to him. Is there any help for a soul when marriage vows have become such galling chains as that? End of chapter 22